Ohio, live from Studio 6B. On a Wednesday night, Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240, Comcast in Chicago, 113, of course, on all our social media. Uh, is there anything to talk about tonight? What are we going to do on this show? <laughs> Slow news day. <laughs> Maybe we could ask people to share, Damon. Yes. Um, perhaps you don't recognize me. Your favorite TV host is here. Uh, Paul Nolan's here at the news. Rick Delgado is, I guess, doing something. I'm not sure exactly what. What are you doing? Oh, he's oh. leave him alone. He's sleeping. Yeah. That's my crack pipe, huh? <laughs> oh, you're Hunter Biden? I get it. Okay. That is a good uh, Hunter Biden. Rick Amorati's here with sports. What's going on, pal? Big D. We got a major league record-setting 11-run first inning, L.A. Dodgers. We got a lot of COVID cancellations, a lot of coaches testing positive. Great stuff in sports. Wow. Can't, can't wait. To, I'm on the edge of my seat. Can't yeah, wait sure. to hear about it. Um, <laughs> so, well, so John Solomon's going to join us at 9 o'clock. Oh, yeah? What's the great John Solomon, CEO and founder of Just the News, author of Fallout, which is a great book. And it's still uh, obviously that book's going to be relevant for like 10 years under the current um, uh, intelligence communities we have. (laughs) It's it's like new fallout every week from something. So he's going to join us at the top of the hour. The president right now is live in Iowa. Uh, We'll dip into the president here in a second. But there's obviously... Lots to talk about today with Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and um, the news that the New York Post broke this morning. Apparently, it's not a real story because Facebook told me it's not true. Uh, Facebook told a lot of people that it's not true. Twitter told a lot of people as well. Uh, social media today basically threw down and said, all right, curtains pulled back, and uh, it's pretty much game on now as <laughs> yeah. we try to... The fix is in. We give an in-kind donation pretty much now every day to the Joe Biden campaign as they censor and do all kinds of every time you click on the link to the post now you got a warning from twitter saying i'll oh, be careful the link might be uh, leading you to uh, malicious whatever yeah the truth yeah <laughs> malicious <laughs> truth yes <laughs> might be leading you to something the truth that right. by the way uh, the fbi and the media and the doj i i guess this is why we're having john someone way smarter than all of us on to answer these questions seems like they've known about this uh, for a, probably at least a year, two years, possibly. And this, I, well, I can't wait to have Mr. Solomon on because there's so many things about this that we learned today that are <laughs> kind of head scratchers. Just stop kissing his butt. He puts his shoes <laughs> on one at a time and a hat on and a leg pants. And, and a bolero. Let's call him yeah. Charlie. He's a regular guy. So Hunter Biden <laughs> takes his, um, <laughs> takes his uh, computer to get it fixed. <laughs> Drops it off there on 35th and 3rd or wherever. And you're telling oh, me yeah. after he's taken him. But hold on a second. If I have even the most compromising text, I'm like covering it like this. This guy got himself doing crack with the maybe possibly a working girl in his computer hard drive. Yeah. And, dressed up and like, like uh, Ron Burgundy at a pool party. I mean, you ever see the movie Ted where they're like yes. they're smashing the computer because of his porn history? <laughs> well, how, what, why didn't he go full beach blit Hillary Clinton style on that thing? Well, it's one of my questions. So he, supposedly he drops yes. it off somewhere to get fixed. 
and he, I guess, now he's made three. He's got three and a half million dollars from the mayor of Moscow's wife. He's got, he's making fifty grand a month from Burisma for however how long. So it's not. He's it's good work he's not, if he can get it. He's not thinking. Well, geez, how am I going to pay the bill for the uh, the new hard drive or whatever <laughs> whatever they did? So he doesn't pick the computer up, as I understand it. And then the the owner sees the report about him getting the three and a half million dollar payment. And I guess gets nervous and calls the FBI. Well, he, and somehow he, it ends up at Rudy Giuliani's hands. Right. Well, he he did a uh, he, he did a search because because of the the hard drive. I guess got wet. I think that's what it was. And he had to transfer all this. Of course, uh, it, it, he was partying like a rock star. Right. So he had to transfer the information, I guess, to a, to another hard drive for him. Um, and during the transfer, that's when he came across some of these things, and. He knew it was there, but, you know, and it goes past the 90 days. Nobody ever comes back to claim the thing. Then the news starts to break with all this stuff about Hunter Biden. And he remembers seeing it. And he's like, uh-oh. So he went back and double-checked. And that's when he really started to find a bunch of things. So the Post today drops this this morning. Uh, smoking gun email reveals how Hunter Biden introduced Ukrainian businessman to VP dad. And I'll just can't give you it's very detailed very long there's the cover of the new york post this morning says hunter biden introduced his father then vice president joe biden to a top executive at a ukrainian energy firm less than a year before the elder biden pressured government officials in ukraine into firing a prosecutor who was investigating the company according to emails obtained by the post so let me just jump right now that's the first paragraph so the washington post tonight comes out with this headline Joe Biden did not push out a Ukrainian prosecutor for investigating his son. The Washington Post confirms. Cut, 30, <laughs> cut 35, G. Roll that. I'll, I'll give you one concrete example. I, I, I was, not I, I, but it just happened to be that was the assignment I got. I, I, I got all the good ones. Uh, uh, and uh, so I got Ukraine. And... Uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. Another. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> got fired. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. Okay, the prosecutor's so that's, that's not good, fired. You're Just not getting repeats it. Um, So the Washington Post, let me go back to it. <laughs> Joe Biden did not push out a Ukrainian prosecutor for investigating his son. Um. Well, so what did I just watch then? What am I? What am I? What am I missing here? No, you're not. I could be to, missing something. You're not supposed to believe your eyes. Only what they tell you is the truth. Don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you hear. Even if it's the real person standing right in front of you, you're not supposed. Damon, stop it. The state says this yes. is five. 
So paragraph two of the New York Post <laughs> says, the never-before-revealed meeting is mentioned in a message of appreciation that Poroshenko, an advisor to the board of Burisma, allegedly sent Hunter Biden on April 17, 2015, about a year after Hunter joined the Burisma board at a reported salary of $50,000 a month. Quote, you can put this up, G, if you have the email message, uh, Hunter email picture. Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to D.C. and giving me an opportunity to meet your father and spend some time together. It's really an honor and pleasure. As we spoke yesterday evening, would be great to meet today for a quick coffee. What do you think? I could come to you, your office somewhere around noon or so before uh, on my way to the airport. Best V. An earlier email from May 2014 also shows Poroshenko reportedly Burisma's number three executive asked Hunter for advice on how, quote, you could use your influence, uh, end quote, <laughs> on the company's behalf. The blockbuster correspondence, which flies in the face of Joe Biden's claim that he never spoke to his son about his overseas business dealings, is contained in a massive trove of data recovered from a laptop computer. So let's go through these here. Let's go through, uh, let's start with 41, G. Let's listen to Joe Biden a little bit here. Go ahead. And uh, I didn't realize he was on the board till after it was, after he'd been on the board. How was your role as vice president in, in charge of policy in Ukraine and your son's job in Ukraine? How is that not a conflict of interest? It's not a conflict of interest. There's been no indication of any conflict of interest from Ukraine or anywhere else. Period. I'm not going to, I'm not going to respond to that. Let's focus on the problem. Focus on this man, what he's doing that no president has ever done. No president. Will Hunter campaign with you? Yes. He will? When, will? when will we see him? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's out on the West Coast. Uh, he's going to be crack. teaching at law school next year. So I, I'm, I'm not sure. But, you know, he's, I see him. I talk to him. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him. Why do you think he'll be an asset to your campaign? Because he's my son. He's a fine man. He's been through hell. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other things here. Let's go cut 36. Joe Biden was on today. This is, I think, a December of maybe 18 or 19 with Samantha Guthrie. And here's how that went. Roll that. Do you think it was wrong for him to take that position? No. Knowing that it was really because but, that but company it, wanted access to you. Well, that's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who Support. said that? Well, don't, you think that? That, don't you think that it's just one of those things where people think, well, that seems kind of sleazy. Why would he have that job if not for his who his father was? Because he's a very bright guy. I guess the question I'm kind of asking is, appearance. was it right? As a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said he regretted having done it. Yeah. Speak for himself. The grown man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see. Getting angry. Ian Brenner was on CNN back, I believe this is last year, about this, 37G. Let's hear what he has to say. Biden does have a problem here, by the way. I mean, I have to say, $50,000 a month 
for Hunter Biden clearly uh, to be selling influence because otherwise no one would ever pay him that kind of money for a company that frankly was pretty corrupt and has been uh, before and has been since under And um, is that Joe Biden's fault or problem? And, uh, no, but it's hard to imagine Joe Biden wasn't aware of it. And I think that I, I expect that President Obama, if he had known about the reality <laughs> of this situation, would have probably told he Biden, knew. get rid of this. Like we, we shouldn't have your son working in this situation. That would have cost him something. And I and I, I feel like even if maybe Biden wasn't aware, but Biden should have been aware that that would cause a uh, cause an issue for. I'm waiting to see one of those big hooks pull him right off the set. Yeah. Well, now, if you remember, there's been some reporting that um, someone from the administration, his name slips my mind right now, approached Biden and said, hey, hey. Yeah, calm him down. Um, this is when I believe, and again, Mr. Solomon will correct me, when the Treasury Department had flagged some of these transactions, they went to him and said, you know, this kid's making it hard for us to do diplomacy. You might want to approach the vice president about this. And if I remember correctly, he was approached. So are we to think again here that somehow the vice president was approached by someone from the Obama administration and the president himself at the time wasn't approached and told about what the kid was doing? I don't know if we know that for sure. Like we do know the things that Obama was uh, briefed on, like Hillary Clinton's black op that she was running against the the then president-elect. But are we to believe that, that Joe Biden was briefed by this person and said, you better talk to your son, and uh, he's, he's getting in the way of diplomacy, and he shouldn't be doing this, and somehow that, that didn't get to the, uh, to the president? I'm not so sure about that. Let's hit the break here, and then we'll check in on the current president. Live from Studio 6B, just getting started. <laughs> Lots to do tonight. We'll check in on President Trump here in a second. Show it, please. Turn those cameras, please. That's a beautiful crowd. That's beautiful. I wish they would show the crowd. But remember, Joe, so he's standing there. Well, keep us up, G. <laughs> uh, you know, he's going to give uh, health care to illegal immigrants, people that come into the country illegally, in other words, right? They come in illegally. And under a plan, they have the manifesto. They want to give them a lawyer. That's what we need is more lawyers now, okay? They want to give them a lawyer. They want to give them education. I love they that he talks about healthcare. the manifesto. But they asked yeah. a question. I only told you about I it said, wow, six weeks ago. Because I think they had like 26 people originally, but every one of them raised a hand, including Sleepy Joe. And what happened hey Dame, just a heads is up. Joe's like this. Solomon did run a story Joe, on you this. See you know, for 47 Back years, he's gotten the itch because he's like... September 16th. He knows this isn't going to work. He's saying to himself, because, you know, there's still something Biden left, money not being much. Flagged by the but he's saying to himself, there's a natural instinct, yeah, we had him right? on. a political instinct. And the, his shoulder <laughs> went up, and then his hand. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't think I'm even going to hold it to him. I'm not going to hold him. I get enough. How about the no fracking? We will not frack. Do you understand me? We will not. Then he gets a nomination. He goes to Pennsylvania, where they are reliant on energy and fracking and the jobs, hundred, probably 900 to a million jobs, right? Goes there, the day after he says he's not fracking, he says, we will frack, we will frack. 
and they don't hold it to him. If I ever did that, it would be the end. But <laughs> if we have something going that nobody has ever had going, we have a relationship with the people that nobody's ever had. Not because, you know, I do think I'm a nice guy. You know, a lot of people, they say <laughs> suburbia, the suburban. I've saved the suburbs, okay? I've saved the suburbs. Then I heard I'm not doing well with suburban women, okay? I got rid of, no, it's true, they say that. But of course, they said that last election, too. He will do terribly with women, terribly. And then when I did great with women, they said, man, he did well with women. Same thing's gonna happen. You know what I find? Suburban women, period, they want security. They don't want their home values going down. They don't want a low-income housing project built in the middle of suburbia next to their house. And we have a rule that's a disaster. It's a regulation. And I said to Ben Carson and some people, I say, I want it terminated. They looked at me, they go, well, we can amend it. I said, you don't understand. I want it terminated. You all know about it. It's a disaster where they change the zoning and they make it impossible and you end up with low-income housing all over the place. And remember this, 29 to 30% of the people living in suburbia are minorities. So this has nothing to do with discrimination. Yeah. It has nothing to do with anything. What it has to do is with the American dream. The American dream. We're not going to destroy the American dream for, for stupid people. That one, that's a beauty. Yeah, he did a great job as mayor of Newark, New Jersey. That worked out. How's, how's Newark doing? This election is a Twice. choice between Trump recovery at a level that nobody's ever seen before and a Biden depression. If they get elected, they're going to double and triple and quadruple your taxes. You will have a depression, the likes of which this country has never seen before, and that probably includes 1929, okay? And one thing we learned about the farmers, they don't do well in depressions. Do we agree? They don't do well. Nobody does well in a depression. You will have problems like you've never had before. Joe Biden would terminate our recovery delay the vaccine, prolong the pandemic. And by the way, for those states, open up your states. Open them up. Watch. On November 4th, November 4th, all these uh, Democrat governors that have lockdowns, right? You know, I always said, I said right at the beginning, I think it was me that came out first. You know, they'll try and say, 20 years ago, somebody said the same thing. But I said, the cure cannot be worse than the problem itself. Yep. And if you look at what's happening with these lockdowns to children, get the children back to school. Like, I'll give you an example. The children, 99.9%. Uh, Baron Trump, you know, he had, he had the Corona-19, the China virus. It's got 21 different names. I could go over it. But to me, Corona means Italy. China is China. And it came from China. So he had the China virus, right? And China. He had it China. for such a short period of time. I don't even think he knew he had it. Because they're young and their immune systems are strong and they fight it off 99.9%. And Baron is beautiful. And yeah. he's son free. Free. In fact, my wife, our first lady, who loves Iowa, by the way, 
our, our first lady, she put out that Barron has tested positive. And I said, wow. And we talked about it. I said, you put it out, you're not, you know, it's like personal stuff, but you, we really have it. I said, yeah, let's put it out. Barron's tested positive. Within like uh, two seconds, it was, uh, Barron is just fine now. He's tested negative, right? Because it happens. People have it and it goes, get the kids back to school. We got to get the kids back to school. Get them back to school. All right, get them back. Get them back. And when I had it, you I didn't love it. But you know, um, you know, it's, it's a little tough and you have a temperature and you don't feel good. And then the scarier part is, you know, where is it going? It's fine. Social, social media is on a tear tonight. And, and <laughs> They're censoring everything this. they can. Look at this. Yeah. And then wow. all of a sudden, I've never you seen have that before. It, but you see what happens to people. And I went to the hospital, and it's an incredible hospital, Walter Reed. I've seen what they've done because I've been there many times for our great warriors that come back so badly wounded. And these doctors are incredible. And one thing when you're president, I'm laying in this bed, not feeling my best. And I'm surrounded by 12 doctors. One's ahead of Johns Hopkins, one's ahead of Walter Reed, one's ahead these incredible doctors. And I looked at the alternatives, all things we developed in the last seven months, and one of them is Regeneron. And I said, I'll take that one. <laughs> because it, very early in the testing, but it had great numbers. And I'm telling you, they gave me this, and they call it a, a therapeutic. To me, it's a cure. Because I felt like Superman the following morning. I felt like... <laughs> In fact, I made a speech about a day later, two days later. Somebody said he looked. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't wow. know. We're really, we're making tremendous progress. The vaccines are coming out very soon. A lot of great things are happening on that front, but a lot of great things are happening for our country. That's I'm right. working to make the antibody treatment that I received to, uh, I want to give it to all of the people that qualify for it people in hospitals, people just before they go to hospitals will clean out our hospitals. Eli Lilly makes a very similar drug, and we're going to do it free. We're going to do it free. It's not their fault. We're going to do it free. So we're in that process of getting an emergency. It's called emergency use authorization, and we're going to uh, Regeneron and uh, the Eli Lilly uh, comparable drug. We're going to give it to everybody, and I hope they have the kind of luck that I have. But maybe I would have been perfect anyway. I like to say I didn't need it. I would have been perfect anyway because I'm so strong. You know, I said that. I said sarcastically, I said, well, I'm in no danger because I'm in perfect physical shape and I'm very young. And CNN goes and reports, <laughs> President Trump lied to the American public. That's so great. They said, can you believe this? This is... Uh, this is, I was telling last night, we had an incredible rally in Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, I, they're doing to CNN. I thought they were doing it to me. I said, <laughs> we don't have too many of them anymore. Do you ever notice, you know, at the beginning when we started, we'd always have the, the phony people that stand up and, you know, raise their voice, then go home to mom, get called out. <laughs> I don't know. I shouldn't be talking about this because all of a sudden we have, but we don't have that anymore. I learned about the cameras because the cameras never like show. Look at that. Look where that crowd goes to. I Look where that crowd it. goes to. All the way back to the buildings. And I'm always telling, I never thought the cameras could move. And then I just noticed whenever we had a troublemaker in the audience,
They'd spin around, they'd be in like a pretzel, right? They can do anything, these guys. I thought they were like rigid, you know, like a rigid piece of steel, they don't turn. But if we had in the back room behind the pillar, somebody, that camera would be turning around like a snake, 15 different angles. But, <laughs> that sounds good. That's a brand new F-35 fighter jet, you can't see it. Oh, we miss him so much. They say it's the greatest plane in the world. And by the way, speaking of that, our military, when I came in, the world's most overrated general told me, sir, we have no ammunition. <laughs> because we may have had a conflict very early in. And I said, no president should ever hear that. And we have rebuilt our military, $2.5 trillion, all made in the USA, with equipment like that, the likes of which no country has ever seen before. We are the envy of Russia and China and any other country. We have equipment that nobody has. Our missiles, our rockets, our nuclear has been totally upgraded. And pray to God we never have to use it, because I see what happens. Pray to God. But if we didn't have that, we could be in very big trouble. It's a very tough situation. But you look at the new tanks that we've ordered from Ohio, by the way. We kept the Lima, the Lima plant. They said, keep it open. They were going to close it. I said, keep it open. Before I became president, I said, keep it open. Because I visited. I said, you could never build a plant like this. You could never get the people to make the tanks. And we're going to be ordering tanks. We've totally rebuilt our military. We have the greatest missiles, rockets, tanks, fighters, bombers, tankers, ships in the world. All made in the USA. You can be proud of your country. Look at this young, handsome, this young, handsome farmer. You're going to be a farmer someday? You're going to be a farmer? Huh? He goes, hell yeah. I'd like to be a farmer too sometimes, I'll tell you. We're joined tonight by some incredible friends. Well, maybe and Bloomberg great can people. show you how to plant. Your stuff. governor, who's done an incredible job, Kim Reynolds and Kevin, her husband. Where's Kim? Thank you, thank you. Thank you, honey. Really great job, Kim. How are we doing, by the way? Okay, we're looking good. That's good. Thank you for Keep everything. Sharing. As well as Lieutenant Governor Adam Gregg. Adam, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Adam. Great job. Iowa Secretary of Agriculture, Mike Nagy. Mike. Where's Mike? Thank you, Mike. Take yeah, let me say to the social media <laughs> audience, let's keep sharing, leader, liking, and commenting Jack so that at Whitford. 9 o'clock, when John Solomon's on, because a lot See of people have been together. They like each other. banned from seeing this Biden stuff today. Yeah. It's amazing. Speaker of the oh, Iowa House. Oh, you got to tell me this. This is good genes, I think, right? There are genes involved here, right? Pat Grassley, right? Good genes. What's the relationship, Pat? Huh? That's good stuff. You got good stock. <laughs> I want to bet on that guy in the future. Thank you very much. Great job. I hear you're doing a great job. We're doing all right? Good. Thank you, Pat. Ambassador Terry Branstad. When I met Terry, it was long before I thought about this, and I heard the governor of Iowa is in New York. 
And he wanted to see me. I said, oh, what the hell do I want to see the governor of Iowa for? (laughs) Putting up buildings. And I'm saying, all right. And I invited him before I ever thought about really doing this, you know, early on at least. And he came up and a humble guy, great guy, handsome guy, that face, right? And he sat down. I figured I'd give him like five minutes. Kim, no longer than that, five. And I ended up spending an hour and a half. I said, that is the smartest governor. And then I learned, and as you know, he was the governor for 24 years. That's an all-time record in the United States, right? 20, 24 years. And he told me a story in the first meeting. That was before I think that I was even thinking about doing this. And again, it's only because Obama and Biden were so bad. I said, let me do it. <laughs> I wish I didn't have to, but I'm having a lot of fun because we're making such progress. But he told me a story. He said, you know, many years ago, I met a man in China because he was selling corn. Can you believe it, right? Corn, crops. And he was selling corn. And he said to his wife, this is 35, 40 years ago, he said, I met a man in China and I went home to my wife. And I said, you know, I just met the next president of China many years forward, but I just met a future president of China. And I said, who was that? It was President Xi, who's now the president of China. And I said, you got to be kidding. He said, nope, I could tell right from the beginning he was different. And he was, I'm not happy with what's going on, just, but he said, I just met the next president. And then I remembered that story and then I ran and he was so incredible to me in Iowa and he wanted us to win and his son was very much in charge of what we were doing and it worked out great and we won by a lot and then we won the whole thing. And I said, you know, we have to pick somebody really smart for China. And I said, you know, the governor of Iowa came to me and told me that story. And I called him, I said, how would you like to be ambassador to China? And he said, sir, I've been doing this for 24 years. It would be an honor. And I have to tell you this, he represented us great with China. He represented us great. I never told that story. I never told that story. But about a month ago, he called. He said, sir, I want to come home now. I want to make sure you get reelected. I want to come home. And he's out there. I know he's out there working, but we love him. He's a special guy. You've got a couple of real beauties with Grassley and with this guy. I'll tell you what, a couple of great people. Thank you very much for everything. Great job you did as ambassador. The only question I have is, do we call you Mr. Ambassador or Mr. Governor? What do you like? He said either one's okay. (laughs) That's him. Anyway, thank you very much. Great job. I want to introduce another one who's one of the best, maybe the best in the whole country. He's the chairman of the Iowa GOP, Jeff Kaufman. You look good, Jeff. You lost weight, Jeff. You lost weight. I'm proud of you, Jeff. <laughs> you do a great job. Hey, How you lost doing? weight, Jeff. <laughs> he said, I always lost. <laughs> Always be careful. He said, I always yours. I say, never say that. The last one, you know, uh, Beto, remember when he said he was running for president, he was doing okay, and he was on the cover of a third. Come on. So I said, that's the end of his political career. And I was, he was born to do it. That didn't work out. Uh, I hear we're doing great. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Congressional candidate, a star, a guy.
guy who's going to be fantastic, David Young. David, thank you. You got a lot of good candidates. We're also joined by a very special guest, one of the greatest wrestlers in American history. You know that, right? He's an unbelievable guy. I've known about him for a long time. Do we all love Jim Jordan, our congressman, right? Right? Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan is a great wrestler, a great uh, NCAA champion and all. A lot of people don't know that, but That's Jim cool. and Jim's from yep. Ohio. But he says the greatest of them all is a guy named Dan Gable. You ever hear of Dan oh, Gable? Oh, man, Dan Gable. Randy Macho Man Savage, is he on there, too? I was no. thinking, I was and thinking listen Brock to this. Wasn't. I mean, I have to tell I you, is Dan Iowa. here, I hope? Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota? Come here, Dan. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Dan Gable's the greatest of all Look time. Look at this. You, you mean I can't Dan. take this guy in a fight? Yes. Can you <laughs> huh? yes. And Tommy Ryan followed wow. suit. Wow. Big names. What about George the Animal Steel? Hey, Dan, I'm immune and I can't give it to you, so that's good. We love you. So, but I met Dan a few years ago and I looked at him and I said, how come he's 181 and one? Think of it. He won 181. People don't know, like, that's like crazy. 181 and one. I'm going to ask you later on who is the one. I want to find out who. <laughs> but he did something else. He won the Olympics, 1972. Wow. And to do that, he had to wrestle against the six greatest wrestlers in that weight class in the world. And he did something never did, done before. He didn't yield one point throughout the whole thing. Wow. It was, that's and he ended up beating in the Olympic finals for the gold medal. He beat the great Russian wrestler. Didn't get a point. He went through the whole thing. Nobody got a point. And I'm looking at him, and I'm saying to myself, I'm telling you I could take him, but I better not try. <laughs> <laughs> but Dan has been inducted into the USA Wrestling Hall of Fame, the U.S. So Olympic funny. Hall of Fame, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, and the United World Wrestling Hall of Fame. Little fact and he's become University of Iowa's all-time most winning coach. In fact, Jim Jordan said that he, he was as great a coach as he was a wrestler. He won many. How many championships did you win as a coach, Dan? 15. Wow. Jeez. And I come from a town where you have the Jets, they never win. You have the Mets, they never win. You won 15. That's they call talent. It's called extraordinary talent, actually. And what I did is I thought about it. I thought about it long and hard. We're very selective. So the Congressional Medal of Honor and the Presidential Medal of Freedom are the two greatest awards you can get in our country. And I'm proud to announce that I will be awarding very shortly at the White House in the Oval Office, Coach Gable, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. I wonder if he had any idea. Oh, Gable? Yeah. What does that mean? Wow. I, that's, that's, that's humbling. That's humbling because uh, that's the highest honor. I'm used to winning and have to doing it on the mat, but because I did it so many times on the mat and in other places that I'm actually getting some other awards where I can just do it and they give it to me. <laughs> See, the thing about this guy is I've coached a lot of athletes over all the years, 
And I'll tell you what, when I look at them and I hear them, they kind of remind me a little bit of this guy right here. And, and every one of them, you had to mold. Every one of them, you had to learn a little bit more. They had to get better. And every one of them did. And that's why they were not just one-time champions. This guy's already a one-time champion. But because he's open for learning and he's already very competent, that he's going to be a multi-champion president of the United States of America. <laughs> That's tremendous. Awesome. This guy. This guy's coaching history is incredible, by the way, too. 15 championships. Insane. And he beat Nikolai Goko. Wow. Russia. Well, he's the pride of Iowa, and he's, uh, he's great. You know, you always try and figure out what makes a champion, because you look at him, nice guy, good-looking guy, all that stuff, but why is he 181 and one? Why is he a gold medalist that's done something that nobody ever did? Didn't allow one point of any of these wrestlers, and they're all the best in the world, the toughest. And there's just something different, and you'll probably never figure well, they continue to have there problems with the There are very few. Jack Nicholas, you see it. Tiger got the same award when Tiger won the Masters a few months ago. I said, you know what? That's an incredible thing he did. And we gave him the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And he said it's one of the greatest honors. He actually said it's his greatest honor. I said, uh, Tiger, you deserve it. You know, he went through a lot. And he came back. And But you have great champions, and they're different. And nobody knows why. That man is different, and he's a champion, and it's an honor to present you to the people that love you most, Iowa. Thank you. Thank you. This guy's unbelievable. Under my administration, we built the greatest economy in the history of the world, and now we're doing it again. We've got a V-shape. We're going to see some very big numbers, and you're seeing it. In my first three years, family income increased by $6,000. That's more than five times the gains in all eight years under the last administration. African-American income grew nine times more than it did under Biden and Obama. We lifted 6.6 .6 million Americans out of poverty. So proud of that. African-American unemployment, Hispanic-American unemployment, and Asian-American unemployment <laughs> all reached the lowest levels in history. At the end of the last administration, the Congressional Budget Office projected fewer than two million jobs would be created over the next three years. And we crushed that prediction and created almost eight million jobs. Nobody can believe it. And we're doing it again. My policies have benefited those who needed it the most. The bottom 50% of households saw an astonishing 40% increase in net worth. After our tax cuts, wages grew fastest for the nicest. I mean, it makes me feel so good. 
blue-collar workers. They were the ones that had the biggest benefit from what we did. Since the China virus, we have created a record 11.4 million jobs. That's a record. We've never created jobs at a level at which we're creating them now. We've already cut the unemployment rate in half. We're down to 7.8 percent. Sounds high. But a lot of people said we're going to be at 42 percent. We're down to 7.8 and going down rapidly. Under Biden, it took 30 months to recover more than half of the jobs lost. 30 months. We did it in five months. Jobs have been recovering. Think of this. Jobs have been recovering 23 times faster than the Obama-Biden recovery. 23 times faster. Not 23 percent. 23 times faster. I've spent the last four years reversing the damage Joe Biden inflicted over the last 47 years. He supported NAFTA, a disaster. Now you have USMCA. It's the best. It's now kicked in. He supported TPP, would have destroyed your farms, would have destroyed everything, and our auto industry would have been gone. And he supported China's entry into the World Trade Organization, a catastrophe for our nation. You know, China tries to get away with the fact that they are a developing nation. Not anymore. If Biden wins, China wins. That's what's going to happen. If Biden wins, China will own our country. They'll own it. And if we win, Iowa wins and America wins, and we're going to win for a long time. For decades, our politicians spent trillions of dollars rebuilding foreign nations, fighting foreign wars, and defending foreign borders. But now we are finally protecting our nation, rebuilding our cities, and we are bringing our jobs, our factories, and our troops back home to the USA, where they belong. Sounds like a tyrant. And as I mentioned, one <laughs> of the things that was very important to me was to eliminate the very unfair estate tax or death tax on small businesses and farms. So now, if you love your child, and you're a farmer, and you think he's doing a great job, or she's doing a great job, and she wants to keep the farm, or he wants to keep the farm, there is no more estate tax where they have to go out and borrow a fortune to pay the tax. It's amazing you even have to add that. Is there anybody here who has a child to which they do not want to leave the farm because they don't like their child? Because, <laughs> raise your hand, please. Does anybody have the courage? Yeah, there's one person over there. He says he's only kidding. No, but it's a big thing. I mean, look, it's a big thing. A lot of farms were put out of business. The parents, they pass away. They leave the farm to the son, the daughter, to the family, and the family has to go out and borrow a fortune. And then they have a little bad season, a couple of bad seasons, and they end up losing everything. We don't have that anymore. We don't have, we cut the estate tax. It's out, gone. These are things a lot of people don't even know. We got that. Along with the tax cuts, we got that. Biden wants to repeal our tax cuts and massively raise taxes on your family farms. And what we did was uh, hit the, uh, you know this, I mean, you, you know exactly. We hit it so quickly. We hit 
so hard. We hit so strong on this whole tax situation because the farmers were being untreated, with being treated unfairly, so unfairly, with respect to taxes. I quickly issued a major disaster declaration, and I will be with you every step of the way. And I think Kim will say this, your governor, when you had floods all over the place, you were like a large-scale swimming pool. I hate to say it, Iowa. I looked at the pictures that your governor sent. I said, Kim, I never knew that this was oceanfront property. <laughs> and we took care of you, right? We gave you everything you needed, and we got rid of all of the, we rebuilt the dams and the dikes, right? We rebuilt it, and we rebuilt it fast. My opponent has put forward a radical plan to eliminate U.S. borders by implementing catch-and-release, imposing deadly sanctuary cities, and suspending all removals of illegal aliens. So if you have somebody that's a murderer or a rapist, we can't do it. They agreed with Bernie Sanders, crazy Bernie. There's nobody that knows how to lose like Bernie. Four years ago, he lost. He went home happy. He lost again because Pocahontas refused to get out of the race. Otherwise, I would have been running against Bernie. I don't know which is better. There would have been a lot more enthusiasm for Bernie. Smaller base, more enthusiasm. But he got, I'll tell you, we're going to get a lot of the Bernie voters because they don't like Joe and they love our policy on dealing with other nations because they love our policy on trade because they, they understand. They happen to understand that, but they also know we can do something about it. Bernie would have never, never been able to do that. The United States would be completely overrun in a matter of days. Under my leadership, we achieved the most secure border in U.S. history, and we are finishing the wall. It's now over 400 miles long. It's already built. And as I said, Mexico is paying for the wall. <laughs> you know, uh, we did more. One of these fake reporters said it. We did more. One of the only politicians that's ever run Forget about politician, but one of the only politicians ever run that actually has done more than he or she has promised. As an example, I campaigned a lot in Iowa. I never mentioned the word Space Force. But when I got into office, I realized I looked at Russia. I looked at Kim Jong-un. I looked at China. I said, we need a Space Force. And we got Space Force. I never talked about it on the campaign trail. We also passed VA choice for our great veterans and VA accountability, things that they said were impossible to get done. So now, instead of waiting online for weeks and weeks, if they have to wait, they go out to a doctor, we pay the bill, and it's been a great thing. 91% approval rating in the VA. They're doing a great job wow. over there. That's unreal. Yeah, when you can see Think of it. The, I mean, I shouldn't be telling you this because they'll find the vet someplace who's unhappy. But think of it. All our lives, we used to see on the evening news horror shows with the vets and the vets and the vets, yeah. and it's terrible what they're doing. You don't see any stories about the VA. You don't see any stories. We have done 91% approval rating by the vets for the VA, the job we're doing. We defeated 100%. You know, we're bringing our soldiers home, but we defeated 100% of the ISIS caliphate in Syria and Iraq. And when I took over, it was a mess. And we killed the leader of ISIS, al-Baghdadi. They were looking for him for years and years. And we then took out the world's number one terrorist and the mass murder of American troops and many other troops and many other people. 
Kasim Soleimani is dead. Dead. One of the biggest things to happen in the Middle East in 50 years. I withdrew from the last administration's disastrous Iran nuclear catastrophe. $150 billion, $1.8 billion in cash for nothing. The deal's practically expiring now anyway if we didn't terminate it. I kept my promise, recognized the true capital of Israel, and opened the American embassy in Jerusalem. And you know that presidents have been talking about that for decades. Every president said they were going to do that, that they never had the guts to do it. I also recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. And that's been 52 years they've been talking about that. I got it done in about two hours. Oh, <laughs> and instead of endless war, we're forging peace in the Middle East. So I get nominated for three Nobel Peace Prizes, different subjects. Yeah. And I told the story the other night. I was in Florida, where Pennsylvania. I told our first lady, darling, we're going to have the greatest publicity I've ever had tonight. I got nominated for the Nobel Prize. Do you know what that is, darling? Let's go home. So I leave for the first time in a long time early. I get home. I turn on the television. They talked about your floods in Iowa. They talked about how's Iowa doing the crops? How's this happening? How are they doing in Florida? How they Three, four stories, one after another. Where's my Nobel Peace Prize they don't talk about? I said, you know, darling, this news is a little tough. It's a little tough to crack. When Obama got his Nobel Prize, it was so early, he didn't even do anything. He still doesn't know what he got it for. They said, why did you get it? He said, I have no idea. And it was the biggest story. It was all over the place. With me, I got three, and they got three nominations. Nobody talks about it. So, so at least true. I figured I might as well mention it, right? Kim, I should mention it, right, Kim? Kevin, right, Kevin? Kevin, stand up, please, Kevin. I recognize these people. There's the guy. Amazing. Love they it. went on a hunting trip. My son, Don, he loves hunting, and he went, Kevin, Don, and about 300 of the governors, your previous, Terry, uh, your previous governor's friends, and they all went hunting, and it was like 25 degrees below zero. The only two guys that stood out there the whole time were Kevin and Don Trump Jr. And they came back. Everyone else was back in about 15 minutes, Terry, right? They were all back, and they wanted to go back into the lodge, the hell with this. And after a weekend, my son comes back, and Kevin comes back, and you two guys didn't even know what they were talking about. You didn't know what the problem was, right? People don't know that about Don, and they don't know that about... But Kevin is fantastic. Thank you, Kevin, for being here. Appreciate it. He's a real... He's a real guy. So I'm ending the old wars, and Biden will lead us into new wars. And we did more in 47 months than Biden did in 47 years, and that's a fact. And if you look at the Democrats, they're pushing the most far-left agenda ever put forward by a presidential nominee. Their plan would destroy your Social Security, destroy protections for pre-existing conditions. Biden vowed to terminate our travel bans on jihadist regions. You know, I got the travel ban. Everyone said, oh, that's not nice. I said, really? It's not nice to come up and blow up cities either, is it? We won in the United States Supreme Court, and he wants to end it and surge refugee admissions by 700 percent, meaning 700 percent opening the floodgates to radical 
Islamic terrorism. No, thank you. No, thank you, Sleepy Joe. He'll ban school choice and he'll ban charter schools. Very important places. And it all starts. You know, civil rights all starts with the education. And uh, we need school choice. In the second term, I will provide school choice to every parent in America. We've already started. We've already started. You know, it's an incredible thing because it's great education for less money. It's sort of a crazy thing. Less money, great education. And just to sort of finish up, a vote for Republicans is a vote for safe communities, great jobs, and a limitless future for all Americans. Over the next four years, we will make America into the manufacturing superpower of the world, and we will end our reliance on China once and for all. It's already happened. I wish you had mentioned. We will hire more police, increase penalties for assaults on law enforcement, and we will ban deadly sanctuary cities. We will uphold religious liberty, free speech, and the right to keep and bear arms, your Second Amendment. We will strike down terrorists to threaten our citizens, and we will keep America out of ridiculous, horrible, endless foreign wars. We will maintain America's unrivaled military might. We have never, ever been even close to as strong as we are right now. Greatest equipment ever in our history. And we will ensure peace through strength. This is like the And if you remember when dream. I ran, they said, oh, he's a very militant kind of a guy. We'll be in a war the first week. Well, where's the war? Where's the war? And I'm making other countries pay because, you know, NATO, they weren't paying their bills. They were delinquent, to use a New York real estate term. They weren't paying their bills. They said, you got to pay. The Secretary General of NATO is my single biggest fan. They're paying $130 billion a year more now because they said, look, you got to pay. you got to pay. They rip us on trade, and then we're supposed to protect them. The European <laughs> Union, so NATO. So they're paying $130 billion more, going to $410 billion more each year. So that's it. Where are the wars? He's going to get us into a war. Where are the wars? They don't want any part of us. Nobody wants any part of us in the world. They were tired of being ripped off as a country. We will end surprise medical building. We will, you know, the surprise medical building is a disaster. It's ending as of January 1st. Require price transparency, all signed, all done, January 1st. Can you imagine if I lose and I've done all these things, they kick in on January 1st? No. You're going to say, boy, that Biden's done a great job on price transparency. And they'll say, what do you think? And he has no idea what the hell it is. <laughs> and further reduce the cost of prescription drugs. We went through a favored nation's clause so that we will pay the lowest drug prices in the world, okay? We will strongly protect Medicare and Social Security, and we will always protect patients with pre-existing conditions. America will land the first woman on the moon, and the United States will be the first nation to land an astronaut on Mars. 
And you know, when I took over, NASA was basically closed. It was shredded. It was nothing. And now it's the number one preeminent space center anywhere in the world by far. We will stop the radical indoctrination of our students and restore patriotic education to our schools. We will teach our children to love our country, honor our history, and always respect our great American flag. And we will live by the timeless words of our national motto, in God we trust, and it won't change. For years, you had a president who apologized for America. Now you have a president who is standing up for America and standing up for the great people of Iowa. So get your friends, get your family, get your neighbors, get your workers and co-workers, and get the hell out to vote, because if I don't get Iowa, I won't believe that one. I may never have to come back here again if I don't get Iowa. I'll never be back. You understand that, Kim? I will say this. There has never been a president has done more for farmers and ranchers, for the Farm Belt, for Iowa. There's never been a president that's even come close to what I've done. And I will say that, and I'll say it loud and clear. I'll say that loud and clear. From Cambridge to Council Bluffs, from Cedar Rapids to Rock Rapids, from Davenport to right here in Des Moines, we stand on the shoulders of Iowa patriots who gave their blood, sweat, and tears for this beloved nation. We inherit the legacy of American heroes. Just nobody has anything more than what you have so much. Look at yourselves and look where you've come. Look even in the world of politics. Iowa, it's Iowa. And by the way, as long as I'm here, Iowa, and I made this pledge to you four years ago, Iowa will always come first in the rotation. You know what that means, right? There's a lot of pressure. Let's put them back. I said, no, you're not putting them back. You know why? Because that's called the opposite of cancel culture. That's called a great American tradition. Iowa will always be number one, okay? You can forget it. We inherit the legacy of American heroes who cross the oceans, blaze the trails, settle the continent, tame the wilderness, laid down the railroads, dug out the Panama Canal, raised up the skyscrapers, won two world wars, defeated fascism and communism, and landed our brave American astronauts on the face of the moon. So much you've done. We made America into the single greatest nation in the history of the world, and the best is yet to come. <laughs> Proud citizens like you helped build this country, and together we are taking back our country. We are returning power to you, the American people. With your help, your devotion, and your drive, we are going to keep on working, we are going to keep on fighting, and we are going to keep on winning, winning, winning. Because we are one movement. We are one people and one family. We are one 
glorious nation under God. And together with the incredible people of Iowa, we have made America wealthy again. We have made America strong again. We have made America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you, Iowa. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, there's the President of the United States again um, yeah. on the campaign trail in Iowa tonight. Punching out right at 9 p.m. Punching out at 9 p.m. <laughs> now, John Solomon, we're, we have a little delay with John Solomon. Well, there seems to be some confusion, so we're trying to figure out what we're doing. <clears throat> but we'll just talk about what we just saw, the president, obviously, in Iowa. Um, you know, I, I, I just find, I don't know, I just find him amazing the way he can go from thing to thing. He moves fluidly through the issues. He's just genuinely connects with the people. You know what stuns me? How he can go from Cedar Rapids to River Rapids. Like, how yeah. he remembers. I'd be like from, uh, <laughs> from over there, there, over here, <laughs> this place to that place. He's unreal. And all in between. He's so good, man. He's just so quick. Well, Damon, I think, I think you said it right there in your description and you didn't realize it. Because he's genuine. I mean, that's yeah. who he is. Yep. And that's what you hear from the people that have worked with him over the years and the people that really know him. And, and you know, e- even like somebody, I think I, I remember hearing Tiger Woods saying, no, he's just a, he's just a cool guy. Yep. And, you know, they, they connect. And it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's because of golf or, or real estate or what have you. It just seems like he's genuine and, and he I guess he comes off a, as someone who's interested in, in the other person. I think that's part of it, too. Right. That he, when he's in connection with somebody, he's asking about you. When he's got, right. when he's got a legend like Gable up there, the guys that we were kids, we idolized, yep. and like he knows everything about him and actually genuinely understands and likes him and really immerses himself into what he was through. None of that's fake. That's what makes him just have that X factor, like Prince, Rick. Right. Yep. You know, we, we see this every night. We get a little spoiled of him being uh, doing these rallies, watching him talk about um, what he wants to do for the country, what he has done for the country, talk about the country. Uh, I mean, can you ever remember or could you imagine Joe Biden giving a speech about <laughs> no, his love no. of the country, the no. things he I mean, it's just it's just not even in his wheelhouse. You never hear these guys. You never heard Obama really do it. He was always running around the world apologizing for the for the country, talking about all the things we have to fix, pointing the finger to you, the citizens, you're what's wrong with it. Right. And Biden does the same thing. You never hear there's never any pro American, pro citizen, uh, pro the individual, liberty, everything that makes the country great. Nothing. You never hear that from Joe Biden. He'll never give a speech like any one of these speeches we get every single night right. from the president. Well, You'll never hear it from him. And, and you know what else you, you won't hear is someone who's enjoying themselves. You know, yeah, they, yeah. they say, you know what, if you if you find something that you enjoy to do, you'll never work a day. And you're not, I think he finally found it. <laughs> he did. I mean, making deals. I know he, yeah. he loves doing all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he had the TV show for 10, 12 years, whatever it was. But I think this is this is his he, he, he I bet you he just he just is charged up. It seems like every single time you see him. Yeah, it's really. He's really tremendous on these speeches. I mean, he's tremendous. I mean, he takes the questions from these ingrates in the media anytime he can. 
He goes out and does these speeches every night. Joe Biden called a lid this morning at 930. Now. <laughs> so he, so he, got, he got up at 730, got ready for work. Got there at 9 and at 9.30 a.m. called his lid. Went and got his coffee, picked up the New York Post and said, I think we'll call a lid on today. We'll call a lid. lid for my coffee. He crawled back into bed. He says, lid for his coffee. Yeah. Uh, Joe Biden picked up the Post this morning and said, yeah, you know what? Let's just call it a day. And maybe we'll get back to this tomorrow night when I'm over with, um, yeah. He picked that up at the old coffee shop while he got his tea and said, yeah. I think we'll call a lid tonight. <laughs> Post toast. <laughs> and uh, that's it. So, but now the president's just fantastic. So I'm excited about getting NASA going again and space exploration and stuff like that. I mean, first person on Mars. I heard they're taking Nancy Pelosi with them. This is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> this is exciting. They can leave her there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, by the way, here's the end. Uh, let's go to the cut 40, G. Here's the end of her exchange from last night. So I played you, I guess, one of the good parts. Oh, but a end. lot of people said to me, no, you, Damon, you got to go back and look at the end yeah. of her exchange with old Wolfie Boy. So here's how the exchange with Nancy ended last night. Roll that. They want a deal because so many people right now Well, the problem suffering. solvers, by the way, don't have any earned income tax credit or child tax credit in their proposal either. But let's not but go into that. Yeah, you evidently do that. not respect the chairman of the committees who I wrote these I respect, bills. I respect and all I of you. I wish you would respect the knowledge that goes into <laughs> getting uh, the, the, meeting the needs of the American people. But again, you've been on JAG defending the administration all this time with no knowledge of the difference between our two bills. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to say that to you in person. Right, Madam Speaker, these are, these are incredibly difficult times right now. Uh, and we'll leave it on that note. Thank you so much yeah. for joining no, we'll us. We'll leave it on the vote that you are not right on this, Wolf. And I hate to say that to All you, right. but I feel confident about it, and I feel confident <laughs> about my colleagues, and I feel confidence in my chairs. And it's not about me; it's about millions of Americans <laughs> ah, who can't put goes. food on the table, Listen. who can't pay the rent, and who are we represent them, and we represent them, and we represent them. These long food lines that we're seeing. I know you are. I'm just saying. We represent them, and we know them. As we, we say, we know them. We represent them. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, as they say. It is nowhere near perfect. Madam Speaker. It's always the case, but we're yeah. not even close to the yeah, good. Friends. All right, let's see what happens, because every day is critically, critically important. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I really can't rem remember an exchange um, to that degree. What's with, gotten into Wolf? With, um, He's actually doing his job. I, I mean, I don't even know if he is doing his job. I think he's just being... <laughs> yeah. He's just... I mean, it's not like he's bringing up points that are hard to uh, comprehend. Let's just not let let not great be the enemy of the good. It's like the president has come, you know, enough to meet you. Where he a week ago he said, "Forget negotiating with this crackpot. Let's just get out of here." Right. And he took some heat for that. So now he's come back and said, "Okay, well maybe that's not a great idea." So let's let's go big. So quite frankly, I mean, the president's kind of been like. From, he went from zero to kind of like 100 on this as well. So uh, now he's all of a sudden saying, let's go big. But and, uh, and she's now playing politics with, with people's lives who need the help. And that's what Wolf's point is. Have you ever negotiated with someone that was so unhinged and you, you, you know you have to make the deal? No. 
Well, it, well, when you are in that position, I only talk to people I want to talk to. So it's when you're in a position no where you have to make a deal and you've got to get close and you have to bring people together because people are counting on you, and you're dealing with someone on hedge like that, it is beyond. It is one of the most difficult things you could ever do in your life. And that, can you imagine what Trump was deal feel like when he's dealing with that? Well, he's not dealing with it. Steve Mnuchin's dealing well, with it. Well, he's essentially dealing with it because. The, right, because the he's got to go through back and forth. Yeah. He's got to sign off on. Right, but but Steve Mnuchin goes in there with a with probably a, a, a president says, okay, here's where I want to be. Here's the he goes in there with a set of plans to negotiate with this crazy lady, and um, and you don't think Trump's getting into that? No, I think he doesn't. He's not going to waste her time with her until Mnuchin comes back and says, okay, here's where we are, and then he'll step in and make the deal. Pelosi admits she hasn't talked to the president. No, no, no I'm, of course, okay. So what I'm I saying, think the she's audience talk- understands what I'm saying. She's well. What are you saying? I'm saying that of course, who signs off on the deal, Trump or Mnuchin? Well, Mnuchin first, then Trump. Well, Trump is the liaison. I mean, Mnuchin's the liaison for Trump. Yes. And then go do my bidding. Yep. And when you can get somewhere along the way, let me know where we're at, and I'll sign off. Right. So what with, you're so saying is, just, when you deal so, with someone that unhinged, you're talking about Mnuchin. See, well, Mnuchin. Through Trump. So Trump is getting all the relay from Mnuchin, and he's like, wait, she wouldn't concede here, there, or here. This woman is unhinged. We can't do business with her. Cut her off. Well, I think that's where he was about a week ago, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's When you're dealing with stuff like that, he's going to be forced to come to the table to close it himself because Mnuchin can't. That's what usually happens with the big I don't know if he can't. I mean, we'll see, I guess. But, I mean, I think at this point, they're not going to give in, I I hope. On yeah, bailing out blue states, bailing out Illinois' um, pension funds, I, yeah. I just think that's a that's a non-starter. Yeah, because because her her deal, and I've heard this mentioned from some some uh, on a different network, uh, was well, you know, they're they're talking about well, she presented a deal back in May. It's like no, that's not a deal. They they passed her demands. Yeah, that was a wish list. Those were her demands. Yeah, yeah, that was not demands. a deal. Nobody agreed to that from the other side. So that's not a deal. What she still has is her demands. And those are the things I guess he's got a hard line in the sand saying these things will not be included. Yeah, so I'll give you a little I'll pull it back. Right. I'll make it look like uh, last week. Ah, walk away from the table. You know what? I'm going to come back. I'm going to give you a little more. Here's a little more. And then uh, but he's still got that hard line. So it looks like he's giving a little bit, but he was already going to give that. Like it's extortion with those bailouts for the blue states. It's an extortion yes. to the deal. How about the, some of the voting laws they want to change? Right. There's something, there's all pork that, in that there that is so that... unreasonable, and it's not going to the people who are starving. Right. That's correct. She has a gun to the head here of the economy and to, the, to this deal. It's mafia tactics. It's, it's, exa- yeah. it's ransom. It's an emotional yeah. ransom. And the fact that you're hearing a Wolf Blitzer even say, look, you know, you're getting a pretty good deal here what the heck are you doing uh because th- there is that that political side you know the, those blue cities that she's trying to bail out the blue states that she's trying to bail out the new york's the californias and the, and the illinois it's always politics for her it's always politics first so it's, it's even the way she in her very fascistic way pushes um things through the congress the way she shovels um legislation through she doesn't ask the members to even come back be responsible be on the record for a vote she doesn't care yep it's all about power and politics for her and just whatever agenda she can push as long as it benefits her and her party and she's in a position now where they're not gonna they're not gonna give into her wish list i read i read you the article it may have been i forget where it was i think it might have been the new york post uh from betsy mccoy who is the former lieutenant governor of new york 
of um, this latest deal with Pelosi. It's just her liberal blue state wish list. And that wasn't going to happen. So, yeah. And what's great is watching her get so unhinged. Just she she is she is just her face was gonna fall off. Oh my goodness! And and look and you just look at Wolf. He's Every just day. like yeah, but but Miss Pelosi and she's just like oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. So like oh man, oh. isn't she being a hypocrite by crying to Wolf in a mainstream theater? Yeah, yeah. You can't cry <laughs> Wolf. The Constitution right, says G. you can't cry Wolf. Good one, G. G from good. downtown. Yeah, you can't cry Wolf in a theater. She told us in that crazy town that I ran. Good. But no, she's she's totally she's just unhinged. I mean, and she took Andrew Yang and um, <laughs> Ro, Ro Khan just threw him under the bus, backed the bus back up over him, <laughs> ran him back over, <laughs> backed it back up over him. They're nice people, but they don't know what's going on. You don't you don't know what's in this deal. You, you have no idea. It really looks like a South Park episode. Yeah. I mean, it's really oh two goodness. talking heads. I mean, yeah. When you start losing CNN and Wolf Blitzer, I mean, if you if I mean, twelve minutes that went on. I mean, I played you a little bit yesterday and a little bit tonight. There's there's nine minutes in between <laughs> that I didn't even give you as she tried to. Uh, those are my constituents, Amen. They, they, I feed them. Yeah. By That's the way. She said she feeds them. One of the parts in there, Wolf Blitzer said to her, as she was going on, Wolf Blitzer said, yeah, no, I know. I see them on the street begging for food. Oh. Yeah. She, and then even, she said, let them eat cake. I didn't play that part, so. All right. Let them eat, let them eat Rocky Road. Live okay. from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. President was great. John Solomon, the great John Solomon. Coming up, when we get back. If we only had something to talk to Mr. Solomon about that happened today. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the I don't think that the things that would have happened in my life if my last name wasn't Biden. Like your investment firm striking a billion-dollar deal with a Chinese-owned bank 10 days after you and Joe visit and collecting over 80000 a month from a Ukrainian energy company after your father was named Point Man on Ukraine. It is impossible for me to be on any of the boards that I just mentioned without saying that I'm the son of the vice president of the United States. The question is not why Hunter Biden used his name to get these gigs. It's why Joe Biden let him do it. Oh, that's a good question. And um, joining us now with, I'm sure, a lot of answers is the founder and CEO of Just the News, the author of Fallout, who I said before that the way we're getting Fallout and this good, this book is going to be relevant for about 20 years. <laughs> There's more Fallout every day, every week. Please welcome the great John Solomon back to live from Studio 6B. Mr. Solomon, hey how are you? How are you? You just made my publisher happy. 20 more years of sales. I love it. <laughs> I, I think so. At the rate things are happening. You so fell over. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, obviously, let's start with the post this morning. It seems uh, maybe sure. the Bidens have uh, been hiding the, tr- the true nature here of uh, Hunter Biden's uh, lucrative deal and what's going on. So I guess when you, when you first saw this, give me your thoughts on what we, uh, what we found out these emails. And then I'll give you some of the things that have really I've shaken my head out today. Right. Well, listen, I knew about this email about three weeks ago. We've tried to validate it, confirm that it's an authentic email. We have not succeeded here at Just the News. Uh, But I'm going to give you guys some news first. We're going to break a story in about an hour from now on Just the News that this same guy, Vadim um, Polarczyk, I think his name is, the 
Burisma executive who allegedly met with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden in Washington. A few months later, he shows up in Ukraine meeting with U.S. State Department officials, pitching them business. And what's remarkable about this, the fact that the State Department even took this meeting is remarkable. And here's why. Because the State Department was reporting to the FBI around the same time, Burisma's corrupt. They're paying bribes to Ukrainian prosecutors. They're doing bad things. They're trying to bribe the president of Ukraine. Bad company. And then they take the meeting with this guy. Wow. How do I know this? How do we know these documents are authentic? I got them under a FOIA lawsuit. The State Department just wow. gave these documents to me. There's no doubt that that meeting took place. And it gives some credence to the idea that maybe Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were dealing with the guy as well. Yeah. Now, I mean, I don't want to jump around too much here, but there's so much to this story. Now, if I remembered, you could probably remember the names. Somebody approached Joe Biden or somebody on his staff at some point and said, hey, you might want to talk to your son here because, number one, he's making it hard for us to do diplomacy. And you might want to look at what he's wasn't Joe Biden approached by somebody on uh, on his son. He was his chief energy advisor, Amos Hochstein, who oversaw energy policy for the United States in Ukraine and Russia. So this is his region. And he admits that he had a conversation with the vice president. He won't tell the Senate when he was interviewed by them what they talked about other than to say it was about Ukraine. And then he has a subsequent conversation with Hunter Biden. Now, here's something really interesting. We know this meeting, if it occurred, the one that the New York Post is referring to, occurred in April of 2015. That's what the email show, the morning of that alleged meeting. And again, we haven't confirmed it, but we have confirmed this. The morning of that meeting, uh, allegedly between the Ukrainian official and Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, who does Joe Biden meet with as his first meeting in the morning, according to his own logs? He meets with Amos Hochstein, his energy advisor. Is that a coincidence? I don't know, mm. but it certainly adds some credence that something Ukrainian was going on the day that that alleged meeting occurred. So there's a lot of you know support around the idea that maybe this meeting occurred, though this document hasn't been validated by us at least. But Burisma was pitching the Obama administration relentlessly, dropping Hunter Biden's name, trying to trade on his access to, uh, to get out of these corruption probes and get to a more rich business in Ukraine. I guess all those bribes they were paying dried up their trekking accounts, so they had to get new money. But there's no doubt about it. It's not in doubt anymore. Uh, that Burisma was in constant contact with the Obama administration at a time when the Obama administration should have put a big hand up and say, you're too corrupt. We shouldn't be dealing with you. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I focused on, the, the Biden campaign or spokesman put out a, a statement today, but and I want to go to the, the last line of that statement says, we've reviewed Joe Biden's official schedules from time to time and no meeting as alleged by the New York Post ever took place. Now, what stands out to me about that is in that statement, they don't say that we're disputing this, the authenticity of these emails. And That's right. why would a meeting like this, we would anyone think would be on his official schedule? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. The vice president has a private schedule, private time. If it's Hunter Biden, it would almost certainly fall on his private schedule. But that was one of the things as we were trying to authenticate this, we couldn't find a public record of the meeting. The man doesn't check into the White House. He doesn't check into the Naval Observatory. There's no Secret Service records of the meeting. We have all those records from our various FOIAs. So listen, there's some mystery whether this really happened or not. But this is such a simple question. Joe Biden is not the straight talk express. He's the non-straight talk express. And so, you know, this is simple. I didn't meet with a guy or I did. Instead, they have to answer in these riddles. It's not on his schedule. That doesn't answer it. And I don't think the pressure to answer it is going to go away until Joe Biden steps before a camera and says, I did it or I didn't do it. 
So it's it's just amazing when you look think back about an, on impeachment of the president and you think about the bogus phony arguments that they were making against Trump. Now we look yeah. at this and it's actually what Joe Biden and his family were actually doing. Yeah. Yeah, just think of what we learned since impeachment. And let's pause for one second about the New York Post story, too, because it re- relates to impeachment. If the New York Post, Post story is correct, they got uh, a subpoena from the grand jury and from the FBI in December of 2015 to take these records off this hard drive and give them to federal authorities. That means, if the story is true, the FBI had all this information relevant to Donald Trump's impeachment defense. This is all exculpatory evidence. Why is it exculpatory? The president was asking for an investigation of Joe Biden. The Democrats were saying there was no basis for it, so we should impeach him. It turns out there may have been a really good reason to ask for the investigation of Joe Biden. What are they? He might be meeting with him. But beyond that, we know for sure now the State Department, the Obama State Department, believed Burisma made two bribes to uh, Ukrainian authorities under the noses of the American government while Hunter Biden was on that board. That is a plenty good reason to investigate this matter. And that is now no longer in dispute. Those documents are in the public, provided to us by the Freedom of Information Act, and we put them online for the American public to see. And I know you said you're going to break that story in about an hour. You have a story up on Justin News right now. The Senate committee is going to investigate these newly discovered Hunter Biden emails. Senator Ron Johnson says the panel has been in touch with the person who provided the emails. Um, so I guess what what do you expect there? I hear people on TV saying, oh, there's no reason to have another panel here by Ron Johnson. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the Democrats have been saying that for two years. The fact of the matter is <laughs> we don't really know what Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were doing in in their entirety. We do know this. Everywhere Joe Biden had a foreign policy responsibility, Hunter Biden was in the vapor trail of his jet collecting money. China, Kazakhstan, Russia, Ukraine, not in doubt. He did it in all those places. It's a disgusting portrait of a family trying to cash in on their government position. That's the best case scenario for Joe Biden, but we don't know what went on. Why not? Because the State Department under Mike Pompeo hasn't produced the documents. The Justice Department and FBI hasn't produced the documents that Senator Ron Johnson and Senator Grassley requested, not a couple of weeks ago, not a couple of months ago, a year ago. These guys, the, the state, the governments under this president, President Trump, are refusing to cooperate with these investigations. And as a result, three weeks before election day, we don't know everything we should about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Burisma, Russia, and all the other untawdry items or untawdry countries that uh, Hunter Biden was dealing with. So I've heard a little bit of this covered on TV, of course, not too much, not as much as you nearly would expect. But the, the coverage that I have heard, I hear people making arguments like, and maybe this goes to what you said about what the best case scenario is. They say, well, there's nothing illegal about what the Bidens were doing here, selling his influence. Now, you know, we've been watching and I don't, maybe that's true, but we've been watching for a couple of days, Amy Coney Barrett be told by everybody that she needs to recuse herself, recuse herself because of the, you know, yeah. the, just even the look of impropriety. So at, at, at the right. worst case scenario, how does that not apply to Joe Biden in this situation? Well, uh, the laws allow the vice president to engage in a conflict of interest. Every other federal employee below the president and vice president are not, they must avoid not only in a conflict of interest, but an appearance of conflict of interest. But when you boil this down, whether there's regulations, laws or not, four years ago, we had an election. You were choosing between a guy who wanted to drain the swamp, Donald Trump, get rid of this swamp creature behavior where everyone gets rich in Washington and replace it with a new guy. Now they have a choice to stay with that swamp crusher or to elect a 47-year member of the swamp whose son cashed in all through the eight years he was last in office. I think that's the real, that's the issue that American voters have to ask themselves in the next three weeks before they cast their ballots. 
And you, I think we're going to hear a lot more. Do you have three minutes to wait for to come back in the next segment? I'd love to. Live from Studio 6B, the great John Solomon will hang with us. Nice enough to hang. There's a couple more things I want to cover. We're back on Real America's Voice right after this. Why is the U.S. Senate investigating Joe Biden's family? Weeks after Joe Biden visits China as vice president, his son secures a private billion-dollar deal with the Bank of China. After Biden is named America's top diplomat to Ukraine, his son lands another million-dollar deal in Ukraine. Then Biden gets Ukraine's top prosecutor fired before he can investigate. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a... Got fired. Instead of quid pro quo Joe, America needs President Donald Trump. Great America PAC is responsible for the content of this message. All right, live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice. Please welcome back to the show John Solomon. has been nice enough to hold over. Um, thank you very much. So, My pleasure. Um, I heard you tell Glenn Beck, I think we actually played the clip here, that you thought the president should take things into his own hands and declassify uh, some of these documents and get through some of the just the, the swampiness of all of this. And it seems like since he did, the things I've seen come out have been all heavily redacted. Uh, so <laughs> what is going on here and what do you think the president still has to do? As it's what I've been saying for a few weeks now. All the president really needs to do, saying it on Twitter is not an executive order. Signs a piece of paper that Mark Meadows can put in front of him in 30 seconds saying all documents from the Russia case should be released in their entirety without redactions. Sign the president, Donald J. Trump, boom, it's done. Anyone who violates that order can be fired on the spot. It's an executive order. Doing it on Twitter is great. It's great drama and it's a great communications platform. But I'm unaware of any order he's actually signed. All he's got to do is put ink to pen, uh, pen to paper, and uh, everything could be released in short time. And Mark, Mark Meadows and the ODNI and the FBI director would just have to comply. Yeah. Uh, what you, we just got another one today. We just got Bruce Orr's 302s. They're fascinating, but they left unredacted. As he, slips out, major, the ba- as he slips out the back door. <laughs> yeah, he escapes punishment like everybody else, right? It's unbelievable. You, we've seen this show. You know, everybody seems to slip out without punishment in the FBI and the Justice Department. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a simple thing. The president should just sign an order, bring an end to this folly, and give us the darn documents we've all been calling for for three years. Well, you know, that's it. I mean, besides the time and everybody who's known about all this and you see like Bruce Orr today slipping out the back door, you see quietly like I don't I believe there's no more principled person in government than Bill Barr. I still stand by that. But you see, yeah, you see the unmasking thing now all of a sudden silently going away. You see you see Orr silently out the back door and people have to go to the polls in less than three weeks now. And it's just very frustrating that you yeah. we're basically going to be going to the polls and we still don't have any closure or real solid. I mean, we know, but nothing affirmative, no charges except for the one guy as we go to the polls for now the next election. It's frustrating. Yeah, we shouldn't wait four years to find out or four plus years now. It'll be before we find out what happened in the last election, especially because it was the greatest political dirty trick in American history. Hillary Clinton invented it. We now know everybody knew she invented it. Uh, they carried it out using the most awesome powers of the intelligence community. 
first to try to stop President Trump from becoming president, then when he became president, to thwart his presidency, handicap him, thwart him, vilify him, as the CIA document quoted Hillary Clinton saying the goal was. Um, it, it's terrible. And not only do we not have disclosure, we don't have any punishment of the people we now know clearly carried it out. And the only recourse that voters have at this point is to go back to the polls and send a resounding message who they want. Maybe they want Joe Biden to come in and fix it. Maybe they want Donald Trump to stay in power and fix it. Uh, but the option is clear. And, and we now know that uh, uh, Donald Trump is repeatedly accused of you know, enriching his family, which he doesn't. They've lost money since they've become president. Uh, Joe Biden spent his whole eight years watching his son, his brother, and others get rich off of his vice presidency. That choice is going to be clear for some for some people, at least in, in the vote. Yeah. Investigated for three years for something Clinton did and impeached over something Biden did. It's unbelievable. Um, let me ask you about what we've watched. A couple other things here before I let you go. And thank you again for giving us sure. the time. Amy Coney Barrett is obviously um, one of the more impressive people I've ever watched. And it still is stunning, though, to watch the Democrats put on the show that they put on on things like Obamacare, um, things like Roe versus Wade, things like that, where they it's just really I mean, they really just act for the camp pre-existing conditions where we know how all these things would play out none of them would probably get overturned we know how obamacare how that the rest of that law would most likely stand we know these things and they know these things but still we go yeah. through the drama of all this but um she's extremely impressive and i think uh, she she will get confirmed yeah i think all the signs are there that she's got the votes uh, she handled herself with great grace and and she clearly has a very strong intellect she's very patient and calm uh, the two most amazing performances I've seen in a witness chair both occurred in the last couple of months. First, Bill Barr before the House Judiciary Committee, where they never let him talk and tried to beat him to death with the rhetoric. And then Amy Coney Barrett. In both places, the witnesses stayed calm, stayed true to the law. Uh, and uh, I think that will fare well. And you see the polls rising in support of Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, even everyday Americans think she should be confirmed in the larger and larger numbers. Um, I think the Democrats have a losing hand. They probably should move on to some other thing uh, before they lose much more traction uh, in the hearing performance they've had thus far. Yeah. So finally, let me talk to you about where we are with this race uh, as we go under three weeks, three weeks from yesterday. Um, I I'm still stunned. And again, I know the polls in 2016. I know uh, I'm, I'm more pessimistic than others, but I, right. I see him losing white suburban college women. And then he talks about the AFFH rule that he got rid of. And I think, well, where, right. why aren't people paying attention to this in the suburbs that of what Joe Biden and Democrats want to do? Um, I know you obviously work with Rasmussen closely here for polling. Where are we with this race in your mind right now? We are using three models, a high uh, Democrat turnout uh, normal model and a uh, high Republican turnout model. Uh, in the high Republican turnout model, the president's down about four or five points. In the high Democrat turnout, he's about down about 10. He's he's down right now. Uh, he had a bad couple of months. He was within two points, which, by the way, would get him a win in the Electoral College, most likely, uh, before the debate and COVID hit. Yeah, the debate clearly set him back, the first debate, and then COVID. But this is a president you can't uh, rule out. He loves the comeback story. Uh, everything he's done the last three or four days are things that uh, I think appeal back to the voters who were with him in 2016 or might come to him for the first time in 2020. Uh, he's got to stay on that message, not get distracted, not interrupt Joe Biden. Just tell his story, compare the two records, and I think he'll he'll tighten this race up. I think we will head into the last week with a very hard to call, very tight race, and it'll all come down to voter turnout. Who gets the more 
who gets the most voters to the polls, who gets the most bails, uh, ballots mailed in uh, before the deadline. Uh, and then it's going to go to the courts for a while. And we may not know until Thanksgiving what really happened. I think that's the, the likely scenario. Very tight race, several hanging states, and we, we linger for a couple of, uh, of weeks. But in order for that to happen, the president has to tighten up the race. And I think he's taking the steps he needs now to do that. Put COVID behind him, put his record out front of him. They'll both be on national TV tomorrow night. Is there any way Biden goes through an hour and a half or two hours on ABC with little Georgie and he doesn't ask him about these emails? Yeah, it'd be hard to imagine he can. It would be journalistic malpractice if they aren't asked, right? And so we'll have to see. I think the other question is for 90 minutes, can Biden keep it together? Is he going to have several of those moments that we've seen in these shorter events? 90 minutes is a long time. Uh, there's no one interrupting him, right? And it's going to be him and the people. And uh, we'll see what his stamina is mentally and physically. Uh, and we'll see whether journalism has the courage to ask him the questions he should have been asked for the last six or eight months. Yeah. Well, Mr. Solomon, as always, I thank you for your time. Thanks for appearing. And uh, we'll look forward to Thanks, your article guys. coming up tonight on Just the News. Absolutely. Have a good night. Thank you. The great John Solomon here on Live from Studio 6B, 38 past the hour. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. They'll both be on TV tomorrow night. We'll be here. Obviously, we'll be on while they're on, so we'll try to cover as much of it as possible. But um, it's just unbelievable, right? I mean, it's just unbelievable that we're heading to the polls again and we still can't get straight answers on what happened back in 2016. It's really unbelievable. Rick, what would you think of that? Um, well, you know what? It, it just goes to prove uh, how deep that swamp is, really, when you stop and think about it. Because, you know, all this stuff is thrown out there. We can see it. And for some reason, you know, like you're saying, this guy's slipping out the back door. I saw one person, I think it was on, uh, watching us on YouTube, saying, hey, why don't they just uh, um, fire him for cause so he can't take his, uh, his, his retirement with him, which is a great idea. You know, don't, don't let Bruce Orr just walk away. Fire him for cause. It's not like there isn't a reason. He was obviously doing something wrong. So, uh, but but that, this is the Washington way. This is the swamp way. They take care of their own. They gotta they gotta you know kind of oh let me let me just pet your scales a little bit. I don't I don't want you to go home dry, you know. They just keep feeding each other. It's it's disgusting. Mm. What'd you think? You know what I uh, I still can't believe he's down in the polls as much. You know, as they're, as, they're, as they're saying it. I mean, I've never seen rallies all yeah. over the place at the same time in my life like this. I've never seen anything like it, the enthusiasm. And, you know, and honestly, you see Biden can't get a dozen people when he's out. So it, a lot of it doesn't make sense to me. And all the other buy signs, I mean, like, you know, the Goya, the NBA ratings, the NFL ratings, you know, the cancel culture, the people turning away from Hollywood, uh, you know, People sick of the suppression on Twitter and social media. People wising up to it. And I just... Are enough I, people rising up to it, though? Yeah, I think so. Could you... Like, we, we talked about in the past, the uh, before the Senate hearing in front of Ted Cruz, the Professor Epstein was a staunch Hillary supporter and, you know, and a, a social scientist. And he was talking about how easy it is for social media to change elections and change opinions. We're seeing it now. We're living it because we know it a little bit. And a lot of people know about it, you know? And, and here we are living with the president himself being suppressed and his press secretary and to the point where like now people the counterculture are going to push back i i think people are afraid to admit how much they like trump 
Rick I've been Emirati? to believe that they're, they're bad for you liking know, them. What'd you think? Big D, you know, I agree with Paul. It boggles my mind how the president can be down in the polls. It really does. And I just hope that, you know, what's coming into light the last couple of days wakes people up. And just one statement, you know, having John Solomon on our show not only validates our show and the network. I mean, it really says a lot about integrity. He's just exceptional. He will not... You know, report on anything that he does not have definitive word. And I really appreciate that and having him on the show. But I have to say, I agree with you, Paul. It is crazy. And I hope that people get waking up you know, with what's going on. I mean, I agree with you guys, but I just, I've all, for some reason, I know mean, we said this early on that he wasn't going to be able to do to Biden to sleep. I still don't know if the sleepy thing works. I mean, I know the gaff machine he is, and we talk and joke about it, and it's given us material forever. But she was really an evil person, and, and, and I don't think people – I think people despised her in a way uh, much more than they think about old Joe. They think about their grandfather. They think about someone, yeah, I know that guy. He's been around for a long time, but I know who he is, and but that, he's, he's nothing like her. Yeah, but that's the point, though. Like, Hillary was – we saw her evil for a long time before the suppression was so potent and powerful. I mean, if social media – and, um, you know, this artificial intelligence wasn't feeding people what they wanted them to, to see. We would see how much corruption is in, in Joe Biden's life. I mean, just his segregation comments, his Robert Byrd, his, you know, his, you know, super predators is, you know, you're not black. MLK versus, you know, George Floyd. Like, it's, it's, it's endless. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the, the crime the, bill. The whole, the whole thing about, oh, he's, he's, he's a nice guy. He's not yeah. a nice guy. He's not a nice guy. He is yeah, not a nice the, guy at all. He is a. We spent it, the whole it, show going over it. Yeah. He, he is. Well, he is exactly. The worst kind of person because he tries to come off like a nice guy, and a lot of people buy it. Yep. Um, but you know what? He he is he is just the worst of the worst, yep. and it's on full display. He's a All right, we'll do some sports since we've done none on this wacky show tonight, and uh, I'll give you the mic drop moment of the day from Senator Holly today. We'll do that all when we get back. Social media, stay with us. Good show tonight. investigation this morning into Joe Biden's son, Hunter, and questions about money he made from foreign business dealings while his father was vice president. And did Joe Biden allow it? We're talking about millions of dollars in at least two countries. Did you talk about China no. or your deal with China? No. A 12-hour flight over? No, no, of course not. That never came up? No. Less than two weeks after that trip, BHR Partners was launched, a private equity firm funded in part by Chinese banks. He has come forward and said it was a mistake on his part to be on the board. My son's business dealings were not anything with everybody that he's talking about. What's your understanding of what your son was doing for an extraordinary amount of money? I don't know what he was doing. I know he was on the board. Hunter Biden holds an equity stake in a company that's taken over a billion and a half dollars in loans from the Chinese government. This is obviously an issue. What they said is China would prefer Joe Biden. China and Iran. China and Iran. China and Iran want to see Donald Trump's defeat. And they're looking for ways to make that happen. China's a great nation, and we should hope for the continued expansion. The growth of China is overwhelmingly in our interest. And there's much more to come. And now the steel mill ain't even there. 
right, live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice. Let's do sports with Rick Amirati. What's going on, pal? Okay, Big D. So live scores right now, uh, Game 3 of the National League Championship Series. The Dodgers are up 15-1 after a postseason record-setting 11-run first inning. Uh, shortstop Corey Seager had three RBIs and a home run, and uh, Max Muncy added another home run in the third inning. They're up 15-1. to They're looking to get the series to 2-1 to as they trail the Braves two games to none at the moment. And in the AL uh, uh, Championship Series, right now, the Houston Astros are trying to stave off elimination. They're up 2 to nothing, and they trail the series three games to none. Zach Granke's on the mound with a one-hitter right now for Houston. And uh, like I said, Astros are trying to hang in there and avoid a sweep by the t- Tampa Rays, who are very hot right now. Um, and uh, last weekend, um, George Masvidal, great UFC fighter, joined Donald Trump Jr. and U.S. Senator Marco Rubio down in Florida uh, for the Fighters Against Social socialism tour where they spoke out um, you know George Masvidal is a uh, Miami native 35 years old dad from Cuba mom is per- from Peruvia and he had spoke out in favor of the president nice to see an athlete speak out so gee can we get we have that cut roll number 34 I'm gonna let you in on something the Democrats just think that they're entitled to the Latino vote they think that we just have to hand it over to them that's right we sure as hell don't Así mismo. Así mismo. They got to show us what they can do for us, what they can do for our communities. We're not going to buy the same wolf tickets and false promises that destroyed great countries like Venezuela and Cuba. It's not going to happen. You know what else is not going to work for them? Playing Despacito on your cell phone to pander to us. Hell no. Hell no. You got to give us some credit for having heads on our shoulders. I'm going to wrap this up with some words of Barack Obama. He said elections have consequences. That is true. And those words have never been more true than they are today. We either re-elect President Trump and keep America great. Amen. Or we let Joe Biden destroy the greatest country the world has ever seen. Now, I'm a professional athlete, and I've been one for most of my life, so I've always seen things through a sports lens. That makes Donald Trump our head coach. And before the global pandemic, we were winning Super Bowls. And when you're winning Super Bowls, you don't fire the coach. You don't, doesn't matter if you don't like the plays he runs, the players he puts on the field, or what he says on Twitter. You sure as hell don't replace him for another coach that's been in the business for 47 years at every level and never won a f***ing game. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> Love it. Great to see sports speaking out, finally, in the minority. But George Masvidal, hats off to you, my man. Great, great, great speaking. And uh, Rick great. D., thank you for sharing that story earlier. Um, and uh, breaking news, um, college football, uh, number two ranked Alabama head coach Nick Saban has tested positive for COVID-19. But I'm sure he'll be fine, and knowing Nick, he'll be on the field by the weekend. Um, and Florida's game versus LSU is going to be postponed. Uh, the game is going to be postponed until December 12th. Uh, due to uh, a lot of COVID-positive uh, tests between the Florida players 
and staff. Um, they've had 10 different players test positive, so they're going to move that game. But again, they're working through the process, which is good to see. And Tuesday Night Football last night, Tennessee Titans trounced the Buffalo Bills 42-16. to um, Titans QB Ryan Tannehill, 21 of 28, 195 yards and three touchdowns. Derrick Henry rushed for two touchdowns and 57 yards. So uh, Titans now looking good at 4-0, and and the Bills fall to 4-1, and which isn't so bad. I'm sure the Jets wish they had that score. And last story, Big D, NFL has canceled the Pro Bowl. I know you'll be heartbroken. For the first time <laughs> since 1949, we will not have a Pro Bowl this year. Oh, no. Although, certain players will be invited, and once they pick it, they're going to pick the team, and they're going to have a virtual a virtual event for the Pro Bowl this year. Okay, great. Well, this should be just as exciting as the <laughs> real Pro Bowl. Just as exciting as the real one, yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, Rick. Uh, so the, here's the mic drop moment. so here's the um here's the mic drop moment of the day roll it g um about another set of questions just briefly you had this morning senator Leahy asked you about the foreign emoluments clause which is in article one section nine paragraph eight he asked you whether it was best characterized as an anti-corruption clause you might remember that in terms of foreign influence and foreign interference and then he referenced the president and and various allegations about foreign influence i since he asked you about it and since he asked about foreign influence in government i I think it's only fair that that i ask whether hypothetically speaking just hypothetically if there were let's say a vice president of the united states who hypothetically had an adult son who hypothetically worked for a foreign oligarch who then sold access to his father, the vice president, and his father then intervened in a case to make sure that that oligarch wasn't prosecuted. Hypothetically, would that violate, would that constitute the kind of foreign corruption that the Constitution's concerned about? I can't answer hypotheticals. Well, I thought you might say that, um, and I'm glad you don't. <laughs> well, Kevin because Nealand. who knows, that case may come before you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. Oh my That's God, the best I'm so part. sorry I talked. That's oh the best my part. God. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm sure you couldn't because that case might be coming in front of you. <laughs> oh my God, that was. Yeah. Does he? Remind, he reminds me of Kevin Nealon. Oof. But he was doing the news back in SNL days. Yeah, he's fantastic. So, so uh, there, yeah, that, that's, that, guy. that was the one of the better moments of the day. The other one was Ben Sass, uh, 39 G. He talked a little baseball. Uh, here's how that went. Roll that. Um, I'd like to pivot from uh, constitutional structure to baseball for a minute, if you will bear with me. Um, any of your kids play baseball or softball? Um, two of our boys had a very brief career in baseball. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I, it's obviously not as great a sport as football, but we can still call it the American <laughs> pastime. Um, and I'd like to talk about um, the Houston Astros, who are miserable cheaters. Uh, sorry, Cornyn uh, and Chris. Uh, but both both of the Texas senators uh, sit on this committee. Um, but I think all baseball fans know that the Houston Astros cheat. Um, they they steal signs. Uh, they bang on cans. Um, They've done a whole bunch of miserable things historically, and they, they deserve to be punished probably more than they have been. Um, but tonight is game four. Thank goodness the First Amendment protects that right. If you want to defend cheating, that is certainly the prerogative of the senior senator. And the junior senator from Texas now rushes into the room to do some homerism. It was going uh, so well. Um, I noticed that Ted is wearing a, uh, a Lone Star State flag, uh, but not an Astros mask. Um, Tonight is game four in the American League uh, Championship Series, and if uh, Houston loses uh, to Tampa, um, they will be uh, done. And 
that leads people to feel kind of desperate at times, right? There, there are times when you have a game that's your elimination game. You can imagine people wanting to um, sort of reconsider anything they can reconsider. The ends might justify the means. And you could imagine that the Houston Astros, uh, who've cheated in lots of ways in the past with sign stealing, uh, <laughs> might try to go to the umpire and try to persuade somebody to expand the strike zone yeah. just for Houston in the game tonight. All right, we that don't would have time. obviously That's be inappropriate. We don't, we don't have time to finish it, but he made a good point. I'll play the rest of it for you tomorrow. All right, we got the town halls tomorrow night. We'll see what happens. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front line. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks to John Solomon for joining us from Just the News. Thanks, Chief. Thanks, Fran. Thanks, America's Voice. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night. Town halls will be on. We'll follow them live from Studio 6B.